What we have to understand is that when someone is addicted to pornography, it very quickly becomes their only coping mechanism. Mm. It takes the place of all their other coping mechanisms and so they begin to feel that they can't survive without that coping mechanism. Mm. So you can easily see why that would become something that they're very resistant to give up. You just heard Claire Moore speaking about some of the hindrances to treating pornography addiction. And as we talk more about this issue on Focus on the Family today, we're going to uncover the truth about the addiction and help you to understand more about the nature of and triggers behind pornography addiction. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Alison Schnell, and our host is Focus on the Family Africa's CEO, Graham Schnell. Alison, we know that pornography is one of the biggest issues affecting families. I mean, I've chatted to some of our counselors in our counseling center, and they tell me it's coming up time and time again. It's one of the most prevalent issues. And Christians are not immune to it. It's affecting marriages and families in the church about as much as in the world. And I think because of the shame and guilt associated with it, it's just often not spoken about. But if we're going to have more impact addressing it, we have to understand it better. And that's what we hope to accomplish today. Yeah, absolutely, Graham. And our guest today is going to help us to do that. Claire Moore is a counseling psychologist who's been in private practice for 12 years. After completing her studies, Claire worked in a drug rehabilitation center in London for three years. And since that time, she's had a special interest in addiction. Soon after she returned to South Africa in 2004, Claire began a private practice where she deals with various counseling issues, including addictions of all types. Claire, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you very much. Welcome, Claire. Uh, Let me start at the beginning because that's a very good place to start. Just by asking, what is pornography addiction? Because am I right to say that there's a difference between someone who might have been tempted to follow a link on the internet um, versus someone who really feels stuck in an addiction? Absolutely. It's really important to, you know, when you're dealing with this issue, to begin with a good diagnosis. You know, we talk about in, in, in substance addiction, three different type of use. So we can talk about the same sort of thing with pornography. Mm-hmm. We can talk about recreational use, which is when a person just views pornography every now and again. If it causes a problem and they want to stop, they can. If it doesn't get any worse, it doesn't, they don't use it more over time. And, you know, that can cause problems in terms of, you know, uh, differences in moral compass between couples, but it wouldn't be considered an addiction. Okay. We also would then look at something called habitual use. Now, this would be a habit like any other. It would be more difficult to stop like any habit, but it is easier than an addiction. When you are trying to stop a habit, it the longer you stay away, the easier it is. Okay. You have that kind of good sense of I'm, I'm beating this, mm. which is not the same for an addiction. It also doesn't get any worse over time. It kind of stays the same, always in appropriate situations, never really affecting your work or, or anything like that. Mm. An addiction is something completely different. And I think that it's so important that we see that addiction is something completely different. And the way that we address it does that need to to change because essentially am i right in saying ultimately we would want every person not engaging in this pornography area at all Uh, but the way that we're going to deal with somebody who's addicted versus somebody who might have had just that recreational use if we can call it that is going to be different 
Absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing you're going to want to do is actually spot this addiction. And and you're going to spot that using some of the diagnostic criteria um, that would be used for a behavioral addiction. There is no actual diagnostic criteria for pornography addiction itself, but we can look at diagnostic criteria like you know, extreme difficulty actually preventing this behavior from happening despite excessively difficult life circumstances that, you know, may be happening as a result of this yeah. this particular issue. We can look at, uh, you know, issues around increased frequency. You know, the person will use more and more over time. Mm. We can look at increased type of pornography. So the the sort of type of pornography would become more and more perverted over time. Mm. We could look at these this pornography starting to interfere with work, with marriage, with family relationships, mm-hmm. um, an obsessive sort of quality to it. We could look at the person, you know, having very, very um, a buildup of negative emotions if they are not able to use the pornography okay. rather yeah. than actually something a little bit less. Yeah. Once you've spotted that, it's really important to actually use a a psychological treatment model to treat that. If you're looking at recreational habitual use, we can use all the strategies that we see out there. Mm -hmm. The accountability partners, the adult content blockers, you know, the the kind of increased consequences for behavior. Mm -hmm. But once we're looking at addiction, we have to go Mm -hmm. to a more therapeutic model. So the starting point is really identifying whether this is an addiction or not. Um, Absolutely. What what causes that addiction? What causes somebody to move maybe down the line from a from recreational use to it becoming an addiction? So there, there can be a lot of different causes. Um, there are causes that that sit in the neurology of the brain. Um, you know, pornography, like things like um, sugar, like that sort of, st- uh, you know, drugs, um, gambling. It's they're what we call supernormal stimuli, and they stimulate the reward center of the brain in a way that is beyond any normal sort of situation. What that means is the person is motivated by the very neurology of their brain to return to that behavior. You know, despite all rationality, all you know kind of family relationships Mm -hmm. consequences that is the one area then of course there is also causes in the psychological area these can often be seen um in in self-esteem issues are very very prominent in all types of addictions and particularly pornography Hmm. um very often also issues with perception of maternal nurturance now that doesn't mean that that necessarily the, the parenting was problematic it means that the child didn't receive what they needed for whatever reason and that can often leave a person with a, a very profound need for nurturance that mm-hmm. actually ironically gets fulfilled in pornography Gee. it provides a sort of artificially safe space hmm. in which to fulfill these needs in a way that obviously then has a host of other problematic mm. consequences, but in the moment it actually reduces negative feeling and and, mm. and fulfills a need that that person has. Mm. So it does come down to essentially a need that the person has that mm. 
that isn't being met in a healthy way. And so they move into this unhealthy way of meeting a need. Right. Just to be clear, this is not a need from a spouse or a current family member or person in their life. This is a psychological need that actually they should have developed the ability to meet for themselves. And for whatever reason, they have not managed to do that. So I want to be very clear, it's not about a spouse not meeting a need because that's an issue that comes up quite a lot. Absolutely. So again, obviously a very clear difference between the use of pornography and then an addiction. Um, And you mentioned some of the strategies, and I think it's good for us to to highlight there are strategies that are helpful when it's not an addiction. Um, And maybe just hit on those again, the the accountability and the um, support from friends and family. Um, We're not saying that's not going to work, but it's it's not necessarily going to work for an addiction. Right. So, you know, if you're dealing with a, with a sort of habitual pornography use, this person really, they're struggling, but it's not meeting criteria for addiction. Things like adult content blockers on the Internet, you know, um, accountability partners, accountability groups, consequences in general yeah. can be useful to actually help that. Yeah. The problem with pornography addiction is that these same strategies that work well with habitual use are actually damaging Hmm. with pornography addiction. So what people want to do, you know, first off, you can ask any addict and they will tell you if they go into a craving state, it will not matter what consequences you've put (laughs) in place, what blockers you've put in place, they will find their their drug or behavior of choice (laughs) regardless. And What's more is, you know, we tend to go into this thing trying to increase consequences, Mm. you know, and we have this perception that if we just increase consequences enough, Mm. this person will finally wake up Mm. and realize that they must stop this thing. (laughs) But of course, actually what happens is as we increase consequences, we increase guilt. Mm. We increase negative emotion. And Mm -hmm. as we increase guilt and negative emotion, we increase the need for the pornography as a coping mechanism. So we actually, as as helpers, can sometimes be hindering Mm. the the process with these strategies if they're not appropriate strategies. Mm. Claire, I just want to clarify something that you said regarding, first of all, you touched on the neurological side of things. Mm -hmm. And then you were speaking about um, meeting a need. Mm -hmm. Were those two separate things? Because the meeting a need is psychological, whereas the neurological side of it is... um, is something to do with the brain. Mm. So when we talk about the pleasure center, I don't know if, if mm-hmm. we do talk about that in terms Absolutely. of uh, pornography addiction, but um, so when, when the pleasure center is being given that high, mm. is that purely brain? That's not the meeting the need of the, the psychological side of a person? <laughs> so, so it's a tricky question that, okay. and there's, there's a lot of research that's going on around that particular question. The way I would answer that question is to say that what what I see happening is that the psychology draws a person into fairly regular viewing of the pornography. And at that point, the neurology tends to take over. I see. Hmm. I think also that that perhaps, you know, when you, you have this kind of feeling of need or deficit and there is then that pleasure that, that, uh-huh, that comes yeah. in, it, it then motivates the behavior even more intensely. You know, if you're fairly happy internally, you know, your psychology is fairly stable, 
Mm. You look at pornography, there is this kind of intense pleasure that comes from the the, the supernormal stimuli. Mm. You may not feel that that is so important to you because you're fairly happy anyway. If you're fairly unhappy, I'm talking now internally, psychologically unhappy, if your self-esteem is fragile, along comes this pleasure and it just it lifts you out of that negative space mm. so mm. it becomes sort of a double whammy so okay. to speak yeah. see what i mean mm. okay that's interesting would you say it could work the other way i'm thinking of of people who who maybe in the world don't view pornography use as even a negative thing and so are are not necessarily experiencing any psychological negative factors that might create that need but are just exposing themselves to this pornography use because it's fun and all their friends are doing it but with repetitive use uh, that that stimuli is going to lead to an addiction is that is that something that happens you know again very difficult question to answer because yes certainly the more frequently you expose yourself to pornography or or any addictive sort of behavior or substance the higher the likelihood you're going to become addicted to it you can't become addicted to something that you've never experienced however there are people that continue in recreational use for their entire lifetime even habitual use for their entire lifetime and never become addicted. Mm. You know, researchers are kind of always trying to figure that that yeah. one out. But, mm. you know, certainly I think by, by exposing yourself frequently, you do yeah. increase your risk significantly. Because I'm sure our opinion is that just the availability of pornography has increased the problem. Mm. Now, certainly it maybe hasn't increased the, the psychological factors and there are there's so much more to consider but the the accessibility of it has has made the problem more prevalent because it what used to be something that maybe took a few steps to be able to access now is just literally at the click of a button absolutely and you know i think that it's it is becoming obviously more and more available and we certainly as the availability increases are seeing a massive explosion Hmm. in the frequency of pornography addiction Personally, I think that once we demystify it, once we reduce some of the shame, we're going to see even more and more people Mm. kind of stepping out of the darkness and and stepping into treatment. Mm. Um, So, yes, I think that the availability and also um, attitudes towards pornography, you know, some very disturbing stats at, at, you know, young people, like 90% of young people actually feeling like pornography is not a problem at all. You know, and, and whilst the research is saying that, that, you know, people can exist in this, this recreational space, I mean, it, it's still, it's, it remains problematic spiritually, it remains problematic morally. Mm. Um, and I, I'm nervous to see what's going to happen mm. in the next decade mm-hmm. with these change of attitudes. Mm. Claire, let's let's talk about your practice. You're kind of specialising, if I can say that, or having a special interest in this in this area, um, and you have a, a unique, or maybe it's a special or, or different approach to addressing this issue of pornography that I think is important for us to hear and understand. Um, just explain how you approach this issue of pornography addiction. So. I like to approach it based on addiction models that have been developed to actually apply to substance abuse because I'm seeing so many parallels between substance addiction and pornography addiction. So when I'm dealing with somebody, you know, I'll, I'll do three things. I'll start with individual therapy. 
I'll do couple therapy if the person is married or in a relationship. And usually we'll try to get them into some sort of support group that can give them that little bit of, you know, kind of feeling of being part of, but not being alone in this in this issue. So in terms of the individual work, I would always hit this thing on three levels. You're going to want to start with looking at the addictive thinking. Now, oftentimes, this is something that will actually prevent a person from coming into treatment in the very first place. Even if they do come into treatment, it is often a a stumbling block to treatment. What we have to understand is that when someone is addicted to pornography, it very quickly becomes their only coping mechanism. Mm. It takes the place of all their other coping mechanisms, and so they begin to feel that they can't survive without that coping mechanism. So you can easily see why that would become something that they're very resistant to give up. So oftentimes, you know, addictive thinking will be things like denial. You know, this is not really a problem. Minimization, I don't do it that much. Rationalization, well, why is it really a problem anyway? Mm. You know, that that sort of thinking. And really, you have to start by dealing with that addictive thinking before you can do anything else. How do you, how do you as a... As a listener now who maybe has identified a, a spouse or a child or a friend who who is caught in this and mm. maybe has that addictive thinking, how do you uh, convince them that they do need help? So it is quite difficult and, you know, it is quite difficult to spot as well. Yeah. You're going to find, what I always say to people is if you find somebody who is saying, I don't have a problem, I don't need counseling or therapy or whatever it is. The first thing you're going to want to look at is, is this out of the ordinary for this person? You know, is this something that was, you you were not at all surprised to hear that they were looking at pornography. You're not at all surprised to hear that they don't want to stop. This is just who they are. You're probably looking at somebody who's not addicted. Hmm. If you're in a situation where you're shocked to find out this person is looking at pornography and what's more you're shocked to hear that they don't want to stop or they they're resisting therapy that's usually when you're looking at addictive thinking and then what that person actually needs is understanding Mm -hmm. what they need is somebody to say to them I get how hard this is for you to stop Mm -hmm. I get that this is not something that you just consciously choose Mm -hmm. I get that this is something that you need in order to not have this buildup of negative emotions and I get that you need something else to replace that mm. before you're actually able to give this up. Mm. I get that you're probably going to fall and have slips and mm. that can be okay so long as you learn from them. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stand by you as and go through this process so with you. It's showing acceptance and um, grace right. as opposed to heaping on shame and guilt. Right. Absolutely that. And that's typically been, I think, the model that we've followed. It's like that, just say no, just say no. And if you can't say no, what's wrong with you? Pull yourself together. And if you keep doing this, actually, you know, shame on you. Shame on you for not stopping when we said you should stop. Right. (laughs) Don't you see how bad this is? But what you're saying is that actually feels it because Mm. it's, it's not something they can control I and mean, we've got to be careful how we approach this because what we're not saying is this is okay right. what we're not saying is that it, we need to just say it's fine mm-hmm. uh, this this is something that's evil it's wrong it's harmful to relationships but the way we're going to st- help to stop it from an addictive perspective is to somehow take away some of the shame and guilt right 
Absolutely. You know, I always say to people, we, we have this idea that acceptance is the opposite of change. Actually, it's not. Acceptance is not the opposite of change. It's the beginning of change. Once you accept that you have a problem, once the people around you accept that you have a a problem that you're a little out of control of, that's the moment that you can actually begin to change. So as a spouse or a family member, accepting that this is a problem is not saying it's okay. It's not condoning it. It's Mm. not the opposite of change. Yeah. So Claire, if we can, I don't know if role play is the right word, but just to describe a scenario, um, and let's start with the, with the negative, mm-hmm. where we have a, a husband and a wife, and the husband has, maybe from his teenage years, he got hooked on pornography, and uh, it's something that he's trying to stop, it is a, an addiction, and uh, he, it's, he's now being caught by his wife. Uh, they're in the church, he's feeling the shame and guilt, but maybe just describe that scenario and what can sometimes go wrong to actually bring about uh, restitution and, and bring about him actually being able to come out of this. Mm. If I'm understanding your, your question correctly, you're kind of asking what, what, what do we, we can do, do wrong? differently. What do we do wrong? And that's, I'm, I'm yes. picturing where we as even the, the church, as, right. uh, as friends, as, as the wife, what do we what do we get wrong mm. thinking that we're saying, uh, trying to help by saying just say no and let's put negative consequences in place? Right. Um, and, and how does that actually potentially feed the pro- problem? So I think that there are a lot of people, particularly in the church, that are working really hard to actually help with this problem, address this problem. What I'm finding, though, is that very often people are encouraging hurt in the spouse. It's very often the wife, but not always, because there are women who are addicted to Mm. pornography. But very often, you know, the message that is given to the spouse is that this is somehow hurtful to her, Um, that I often hear this message that actually her husband has cheated on her, has been adulterous. And what this actually does is it increases pain, it increases the, the, the conflict in the marriage to a high degree. Now, my feeling is that, you know, and I'm no theologian at all, but, but whilst I do absolutely accept that it is God's opinion that this pornography is, some, is the same as adultery, I don't believe that that's the way that we should feel about it. If you think about it, you know, the very same passage says that we, you know, that that, that actually being angry with someone is the same as murdering them. Mm. And yet when someone is angry with us, we do not go about feeling as though they've murdered us. I think this passage is being used to inform women's emotions when, in fact, it's not designed, I don't believe anyway, to inform emotional reaction. Um, In fact, what is so helpful is to encourage spouses to realize that this is not about any sort of lack in them or their marriage. Mm. I think that women often, you know, approach the subject with their husbands, and, uh, you know, that can also be the other way around, with this feeling that they're not good enough, a feeling that they've not provided for their husband's need adequately, that they're not attractive enough, Um, And this creates a huge amount of damage to their self-esteem, a huge amount of hurts, and often a huge amount of defensive anger in response to that. Mm. Well, Alison, I think we've done well at the start of this program to kind of just somewhat demystify 
the issue of pornography or at least bring clarity to the difference between yeah. use of pornography and addiction. Um, and thank you, Claire, for shedding light on this topic. There's so much more. I think we've scratched the surface and particularly when we get into the family, the impact on the family, but also how the family can contribute to, to healing. Uh, so would you stick with us so we can tackle that on the next time? Certainly, of course. Thank you, Claire. Well, this discussion was a real eye-opener for me, and I think it laid a great foundation of what is actually meant by pornography addiction and how we can help those caught in it. I believe that the more open we are to talking about this issue, and as Claire mentioned, removing the shame and looking for solutions, the closer we'll come to seeing more and more people being healed and set free. Our resource offering today is called The Road to Freedom, Healing from Your Hurts, Hang-Ups and Habits. Ask for that when you call us on 031-716-3300 or find it on our website at safamily.co.za. And while you're on the website, I want to encourage you to look for another free resource we have available. It's a six-part video series called Discovering God's Freedom from Pornography featuring Nick and Michelle Stumbo of Pure Desire Ministries. And if you need help in this area, I hope you'll reach out to us. We have an amazing team of counselors that are here for you. And there are a number of ways that you can connect, whether it's booking a counseling session, speaking over the phone, or sending through a prayer request. The point is, we're here to help. Our number is 031-716-3300. Double zero, or you can easily connect via the counseling page on our website at safamily.co.za. We'll be talking more with Claire Moore on tomorrow's program, so I do hope that you can join us for that. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back then when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.